welcome to Language and Culture with Dr. J. I am Dr. J. This is a podcast about language, culture, and identity, and how these affect all areas of work and life. My guests range from politicians to artists, scientists, educators, students. I conduct interviews in English, French, German, Hungarian, and Spanish. You are now listening to an episode in English. The podcast also includes two new segments. On the one hand, Dr. J's Soapbox, in which I briefly share with you thoughts that are just itching to be out there. And on the other hand, a segment called Kids Ask, in which children from around the world have the chance to ask my guests a question. The podcast is brought to you by Couturium.com in affiliation with Quadil Books and Events. For more information about the podcast and about us, as well as for teaching resources and study guides to the episodes, please visit our website, Couturium.com. That's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-U-M.com. You can also find me on our social media channels with the handle or hashtag DRJPodcast. So don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and updates. This episode is all about wine, and a beautiful white wine for that. Needless to say, I am a wine drinker. When it comes to red wine, I enjoy the classical dry reds, Shiraz, Montepulciano, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chateauneuf-du-Pape, Tempranillo, or a good Pinot Noir, or Merlot. But when it comes to white wines, I shy away from dry white wines and favor fruity, sweet whites like the Hungarian Hétputtonyos Tokai Asu or the French Arbois from the Jura region or also a favorite of mine, a nice German ice wine. But there is a dry white wine that I absolutely adore and that is the Muscadet from the Loire Valley region in France. And that is what this episode is all about, particularly my favorite Muscadet from the domaine Pierre-Luneau-Papin. If you speak French, please tune in to the French version of this episode, in which you can hear the entire interview with Pierre-Luneau from my visit with him in the summer of 2020. In this version in English, I will try to give you some insights into this wonderful wine, but I'm afraid it will not be as exciting or detailed as hearing the master himself. Growing up, I already had the opportunity to experience the whole winemaking process through my paternal grandfather, who had a vineyard and made sweet white wines ranging from Delevare, Gureg Royal, or Greek Royal, uh, Muscotai, or Musca wine, specifically Musca Totonel, and a Riesling. I saw him take care of the grapes. I was involved in harvesting the grapes. I was allowed to help with the crushing of the grapes. Um, my grandfather mostly used the wine press, but I distinctly remember having assisted in treading or stomping the grapes as well, which meant stepping on the grapes with my bare feet. But the most fun part for me was always when the wine started to ferment and produced what is called in Hungarian must, and in English must, from the Latin vino mustum, 
uh, meaning young wine. And I was always allowed to have a little bit of mousht. I have very fond memories of my grandfather uh, allowing us to taste the mousht. I have amazing memories of him uh, tending to his wine. Um, I have very nostalgic images of him with his lopu, which is a wine thief. This is the pipette-looking uh, glass instrument used to take small amounts of wine out of the, the barrels. And my grandfather would use his lopu to check on the fermentation process. I also have incredible memories of his wine cellar and of the numerous parties he hosted there, very often inviting various singers and actors and artists to, to join us as well. So you see, my taste for wine and my appreciation of the winemaking process go way back to my childhood. And whenever I have the chance, I like to visit vineyards and les caves, as they say. I have spent some time in France, in the Loire Valley, in the area around Nantes. In fact, my second family or French family is from Les Sorinières, which is a small village right outside of Nantes. Now, why I call them my family, especially Maman and Papou, is a matter for another episode. Uh, but the point is that through my so-called French family, I had the chance to experience the region more intimately than, than just as a tourist. And one of my favorite activities has been going to the Domaine Luno Papin, where the owner, Pierre Luno, and his lovely wife, Monique, would show us their laboratoire, or where they made their wonderful Muscadet wine. Pierre and Monique have since retired and passed on the business to the 12th generation, to their son, Pierre-Marie, and their daughter-in-law, Marie. So winemaking has been in the Luno Papin family for 12 generations. And this sense of family is everywhere you see the name Luno Papin. I love how they introduce themselves on their website, for example. They write, and I quote, Our feet are rooted in the memories of our ancestors. And this support allows us to learn a little more every day. Really wonderful. The Domaine Luno Papin has concentrated on the white grape Melon de Bourgogne, which was originally brought to the region from Burgundy by, by monks in the, in the 16th century. The Muscadet Appellation has officially existed since 1937. The Domaine Luno Papin belongs to the sub appellation Muscadet Sèvremaine, which includes the area between the Sèvres and the Maine rivers. And this is by far the largest sub appellation, producing about 80% of the existing Muscadets. The two other sub appellations are Muscadet Coteau de la Loire and uh, Muscadet Côte de Grandlieu. Uh, Muscadet is recommended mainly with seafood, oysters, lobsters, shrimp, mullet, which is a type of fish. Now, you remember how I said that I prefer sweet wines? Well, I think part of it for me has to do with the acidity. And that's another great thing about Muscadet, and particularly the Domaine du Nopapin, it's that it's not 
not really acidic. It's sort of perfectly fruity and fresh and slightly acidic. And it has great texture and, and zest. I also love the mix of crus that the Domaine du Nopapin offers. They are served in the best restaurants around the world, in restaurants with one, two, and three Etoile Michelin, Michelin stars. They are recommended and appreciated by renowned restaurant owners, chefs, and sommeliers like Eric Beaumard, Nicolas Duclos, Christian Le Square. At the same time, they never lose sight of the significance of wine in friendship and sharing. They believe, and I quote, wine has always been for sharing, for friendship, and for immediate pleasure. They say this particularly about their froggy wine, which was created even to challenge an elitist reputation and, and to remind journalists and fans of the essence behind wine drinking. At this point, I'd like to include a quick soundbite in French from my interview with Pierre Luneau, where he talks about how vignerons have to connect with people and have to be able to translate their excitement and passion for their wines. Here's Pierre Luneau. Ça nous fait toujours plaisir. Pour nous, le vigneron doit savoir partager, faire partager sa passion et la faire, euh, faire connaître pourquoi et comment euh, il obtient ce style de vin. The Domaine du Nopapin has nine crus. Among their wines are Gulana, Folle Blanche, Clos des Allées, Les Pierres Blanches, which dates back to Monique's grandfather, Joseph Papin, La Grange, Pueri Solis, which is a favorite with many top Sommelier. Now, even though I've had some personal experience with winemaking, I do not pretend to be a wine connoisseur, nor would I dare to go into the wonderfully intricate details about the terroir, the soil, and all the detailed considerations of where and how the vines are planted and when and how exactly the grapes are picked. For this, I would refer you back to the French episode where Pierre explains this beautifully, or to the Domaine Lunopapin website, which is also in English, and that's domainelunopapin.com, so D-O-M-A-I-N-E-L-U-N-E-A-U-P-A-P-I-N.com. I would like to move on to a question of vocabulary, namely the difference between a viticulteur and a vigneron. A viticulteur and a vigneron can be translated into English as wine producer or wine grower. But for wine experts and those working in this field, there is a significant difference. A viticulteur is someone who owns a vineyard and grows his or her own grapes, but then turns the grapes over to another company to process them. On the other hand, a vigneron not only grows the grapes, but then takes care of the entire winemaking process from crushing the grapes all the way to when the wine goes into the bottles. And I guess being a vigneron comes with its own point of pride. And here, I would like to let you listen to Pierre Luneau's own words once again. For me, a viticulteur, c'est un, 
un homme du terroir qui cultive sa vigne, mais qui confie son raisin à une société, par exemple, pour pressurer ses raisins et les élever. Alors qu'un vigneron, comme je l'ai toujours revendiqué, non seulement il cultive sa vigne, mais il amène son raisin dans sa cave. Là, il fait forcément un pressurage de ses raisins. Another aspect of the domaine du Nopapin that I truly appreciate is how much it is linked to regional culture. In fact, in the Nantes area, people speak of the three M's that represent this region. Le Muguet, la Mache, and le Muscadet. So, le Muguet is lily of the valley, the tiny white flowers that blossom in May. And the Nantes area is the central supplier of this flower. La mash is a type of salad, very well known in Germany as Feldsalat, and in the English-speaking world as corn salad or lamb's lettuce. And again, la mash is representative of the area. And le muscadet, of which the domaine Luno-Papin is a great representative. In my interview with Pierre Luneau, we talked a lot about the importance of regional culture and about how the intricacies and the beauty of a culture are often more revealed on a regional level. We also mentioned how as tourists, we tend to reduce a nation to a limited number of attributes, how we tend to think we've covered France and know how the French are because we've had a baguette or, and a croissant, and sometimes we're a beret and, and drink red wine. But to know the French, or some aspects of France, we need to actually focus in more closely on a specific area or on some specific aspect. We were saying this about wines as well, that it's often better to know and love one or two wines than to generalize. And also how, for example, the Muscadet is a French wine that is very specific and very special and representative. I would like to play you a soundbite from what I said on this matter in the interview. C'est un des messages de, de ce podcast, je pense, c'est que la culture régionale, et d'ailleurs, c'est pour ça que j'ai trouvé si intéressant que le Muguet, le, la ouais. Lavache et le Muscadet représentent le, la, la région nantaise, c'est que c'est pas, c'est pas... Si on pense à la, à la culture française, comme ça, à l'étranger, c'est le vin, mais alors le vin quelconque, et la baguette, et la baguette quelconque. Et, et ça, c'est trop général, c'est trop, euh, trop facile. Trop... Donc, euh, bah, déjà, Jean-Luc nous a fait déguster un, une baguette, et d'ailleurs, je voulais contacter la boulangerie, parce que c'est la meilleure baguette que j'ai jamais euh, mangée. C'était une baguette campagnarde d'une boulangerie ouais, ici à Nantes, enfin, à Rossorinière même, je pense. Et alors, depuis, euh, j'ai même essayé d'acheter de, de, la même sorte de baguette ailleurs. Et ça ne se compare pas. Euh, les enfants, le mari, tout le monde est convaincu. Donc, il y a cette... Euh, on ne peut pas parler euh, de, de la baguette. On ne peut pas parler du vin. On ne peut pas parler du sushi. On ne peut pas parler comme ça en général 
d'aspects culturels, que ce soit la cuisine ou la langue ou l'art ou, ou n'importe, euh, je trouve que c'est beaucoup plus intéressant de parler de régionalisme, de, de, de culture régionale, mmh, tout à fait. Euh, euh, que ce ça, que ça soit les légumes, que ce soit euh, les artistes, la musique, mmh. euh, la façon de... de, de, de. Euh, et c'est là qu'on arrive à peut-être toucher, à vraiment comprendre une culture. Donc euh, autant comprendre une culture nantaise que d'essayer de, de dire oh, « je comprends la culture française ». In closing of this short episode on the Muscadet, I would like to play you two more sound bites from my interview with Pierre Luneau. In this first one, he talks a little about choosing wines. He had great advice for wine lovers with any budget. He spoke about appreciating great wines like a Petrus, Uh, so the Chateau Petrus from the Bordeaux region, where a bottle will cost about $8,000, um, how there is a place for that to mark a truly special occasion, to celebrate with great intimacy and taste. But he also spoke of the value of these wines as a collector's item, which he found legitimate, but a little bit, hmm, let's, say, let's say sad, since wine is meant to be consumed and enjoyed and shared and not just collected. But he also warned against publicity scams and wines being overpriced for no reason. He had great advice for students on a budget, urging them to seek out individual winemakers and caves or caves, and perhaps smaller wine dealers with more knowledge of the wines and the ability to pre-select even wines that are perfectly affordable. The accent being on the true quality of the wine and on the personal taste and preference. But he said something funny as well, and I'd like to play this part for you. He talked about what we marry the wine with, le mariage. He said that the mariage, the marriage, is always the most important. So matching the meal and the occasion to an appropriate or suitable wine. And here I have to say, I truly envy the French and the culture they bring in this regard. It seems to me like the French just develop a sense for which wine goes well with what and how to match a meal to a wine from early childhood, which I think is a skill that, that certainly gives uh, some spice to life. As I told you before, I grew up with wine, but I still don't think I'm such an expert at picking wines or matching them perfectly to a meal. Let's just say I'm limited, and I kind of tend to stick to the few wines I know and add on to my knowledge and repertoire very slowly. But Pierre Luneau talked about funny marriages, funny mariages, or daring ones as well. And here he mentioned, for example, matching oysters with a red wine. This is done often in the Arcachon region. Of course, this is a particularly painful marriage to observe for Pierre Luneau, since the Muscadet is reputed as the perfect wine to go with oysters. So Pierre Luneau laughed about how the restaurants in the Arcachon region add a small sausage to go with the oysters to justify their choice of a red wine. Here's the soundbite with Pierre Luneau. Il faut d'abord savoir si le choix du blanc et le choix du rouge, 
le mariage, hein, parce que je, je vois parfois des mariages qui sont osés. Hein, on met du rouge, par exemple, euh, avec des huîtres. Alors, je, je vois ça couramment, par exemple, euh, sur Arcachon ou surtout dans un restaurant bordelais. Alors, ils ont la sympathie de vous mettre une petite saucisse avec les huîtres pour dire qu'il y a de la viande. Quand même. <rire> And finally, I'd like to include the part of the interview where I ask how wine is appreciated differently in France than in other parts of the world. Pierre Luneau's answer was brilliant. On the one hand, he spoke about the bottling process and about corking the bottles, for example. And here, there are distinct differences around the world. In Australia, for example, the use of screw caps is very typical, and this is still somewhat frowned upon in France. Pierre Luneau also told me a story about one of his trips to Japan, where he was visiting his distributors in the restaurants that serve his wines. And of course, this is a completely different environment and culture from France. But the Domaine Luno Papin wines are appreciated and known also here. On their trip to Japan, Pierre and Monique Luno met a sushi chef, for example, who believed that the Domaine Luno Papin Muscadets were the perfect wine to accompany his sushi creations. Comment est-ce que vous pensez qu'on apprécie le vin autrement en, dans, dans le reste de, de l'Europe, en Amérique du Nord, euh, dans l'Amérique du Sud, après dans les pays asiatiques, ouais. etc. J'ai le souvenir, par exemple, d'un voyage que j'ai fait au Japon. Et forcément, notre distributeur nous a emmenés dans différents établissements. Et nous avons ensuite, par exemple, euh, été aussi déjeuner dans un bar à, à sushi. Et ce cuisinier me disait, mais il dit, euh, Monsieur Luneau, euh, c'est euh, votre muscadet euh, qui nous donne la meilleure alliance avec, euh, justement, euh, nos sushis. And with that, it is time for me to sign off. I hope you have enjoyed this episode on the Muscadet. Again, if you speak French, I urge you to tune into the French episode, which is significantly more detailed. Thank you again to Pierre Luneau, and thank you all for listening. This is Dr. J, signing out.